The financial needs of your family are many, and each family, of course, is different. But imagine if, rather than running a household with two parents, three kids, a dog, and a pet iguana, you run a residential program for 35 teenagers. Only taking care of 35 teens requires a staff of over 60, regulatory overhead, and the occasional group member who doesn't really care about his surroundings and doesn't mind tearing things up. You know, as we reach the end of the year here, we reach a time when we have to make some decisions about the future path of Shepherd Hill Academy and about licensed to parent. For example, how many families we can serve in the coming year, which programs we can keep, which ones we may need to cut loose or make changes to, and what staffing changes we can make to better meet the ever-changing needs of today's troubled teens and their families. So for the next half hour, we want to pull back the curtain just a bit and share some of those needs with you, our listening family, and our ministry partners. This is Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome. Uh, I do hope that this is not your first foray into Licensed to Parent, because normally we're trying to talk more about cultural issues, scriptural and spiritual issues that may be affecting the family, and and the, the biblical worldview that we need to take to try to address those. All of this comes out of working with troubled teens day in and day out at Shepherd's Hill Academy, which is a year-long Christ-centered residential program, wilderness-based, working with troubled teens and with their families. And uh, our host on License to Parent is Trace Embry. Trace is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill Academy. I'm Rich Rosal, and uh, Trace, pulling back the curtain is really exactly what we want to do here. I'd like to give our listeners a chance to uh, to see a little bit about what goes on in the lives of the teens who come here through the year, but also a look at what the needs are within the organization. Uh, we only do this usually once a year, and that's here at year-end, to right. let people know what we're up to, what we're considering for the next year, and more importantly, how they can join us in this venture. Yeah, because I want people to know that our hearts are pure before God and before one another. Uh, the Really, Rich, the preeminent reason we do what we do uh, here on License to Parent, is to uh, basically accommodate as many people as we can without them necessarily having to be uh, coming to a residential program that might be halfway across the country or halfway around the world, uh, where they're, they're, they're separated from their, their, their child for the better part of a year, in some cases, two years. Mm. Uh, so we we're trying to take, as we often say, uh, outside the gate, getting getting the principles, the experiences, uh, the science, the biblical precedent uh, out there into the hands of parents so that by faith they can do at home what we do here inside the gate. Because uh, I have to say that uh, largely uh, uh, the reason we have kids come here from virtually every state in the union and 19 other countries is because uh, parents, I think, uh, have been pressured to believe a lot of cultural lies about raising kids, and they have forgotten the sound biblical principles and mandates for raising kids because to some people it seems archaic. To others it seems abusive. Uh, and that's a, that's a tragic shame. Uh, but, you know, we have to turn away about 600 families a month wow. because residential care is so cost prohibitive. And so God put it upon our hearts many years ago that we are to get this information into the hands of many people as we can. And that's why we do what we do. Right. And uh, I, I get little notes all the time from people saying, man, you don't know how much your message is helping me. And so, yeah, in a sense, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job, just like I, I, I did when I was a policeman. I know that's not going to happen, uh, but 
uh, we can at least take a few steps closer in that yeah. direction. Well, let me, as somewhat of an outsider, paint a little bit of a picture about what Shepherd's Hill looks like. I have been involved tangentially and prayerfully and through support of some other residential programs as well in the past. Many of them, quite frankly, are outstanding in terms of the physical facility yeah. that they have. You'll mm-hmm. find, you know, ritzy brick-and-mortar setup. You'll find right. a very nice... Uh, uh, dormitories or homes or housing and all this sort of thing. Sure. And one of the things that Trace mentioned a moment ago was how terribly expensive residential care is. I want you to know that Shepherd's Hill is not expensive because of the lavish facilities. The facilities are completely adequate for the job needed, but you know th- this is not a fancy place to come to. Right. It's it's an effective place to come to where the expense quite often comes in is in all of the overhead in terms of personnel. Exactly. You maybe have 30 to 35 students here at any time, but you've got 60 to 70 staff here. Yeah. Talk about a teacher-to-student ratio. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Instead of like 18 students to one teacher, this is, and it's not just teachers. Teachers, uh, counselors, professors, I mean professional uh, uh, psychologists, that sort of thing, that are working with the kids. But you're still talking about roughly two adults to one teen to make sure that they succeed. Yeah, we're we're not called a premier program because of our Ivy League building status. You know, uh, that that's not the point. We're an outdoor therapeutic program. Yeah, it's it's because of the substance uh, that, that right. takes place here. It's it's not necessarily the style. An outdoor therapeutic program, by definition, means kind of primitive living. Actually, it's it's to uh, first and foremost for a lot of these kids is to reduce or eliminate totally that sense of entitlement. Because the truth of the matter is kids cannot be grateful when they're entitled. In, in fact, I think it could be said that entitlement is the opposite of, of uh, being grateful. And we know from science that when kids are genuinely grateful, when adults are genuinely grateful, uh, that they're shooting enough serotonin in their brain as if they took one Wellbutrin or one Prozac. Hmm. So we can regulate our own mental health simply by being grateful Right. And when you're in an environment that pampers you, and we don't do that here, yeah. uh, then it's really hard to bring that, that healing that parents are looking for, that kids are ultimately looking yeah. for. Uh, but when, when they have to earn everything and, you know, there is a bit of a struggle to keep, you know, they, like in the winter months, they have to keep their firewood uh, cut and split and stacked and dried and, and then stoked uh, through the evening and wood-burning stoves. So it is like 18th century living, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it just it dazzles me how parents you know they'll, they'll enroll their kid here and they'll say, well, you know he's he's got air conditioning and he's got running water and he's got uh, you know his, his own bedroom, his own bathroom in his own bedroom. He's got uh, computers and smartphones and his, his own car and all this stuff, the three square meals, and he's sullen and depressed and suicidal and angry and violent and. You know, he comes to Shepherd's Hill, and he's got none of that. He's li- he's living back in the third world, basically. And he's on top of the world every time I see mm-hmm. him. There's a reason for that. But what I'm finding in our in our pampered age here in America is that fewer and fewer people really understand the science behind why that's actually true. Yeah. They don't know it. Scripture talks about it, but science affirms it. Yes, it does, Absolutely. Um, to to paint a picture physically of the kids' environment, there's a girls' camp and there's a boys' camp, mm-hmm. and we often tell guests, uh, you know, think Gilligan's Island. Yeah, 
And it is sort of like that for those who remember the television program from the 1960s. These were a group of castaways. Who, you know, their, their boat shipwrecked, and they ended up on this island. But just let me clarify, these kids are anything but castaways. No, that, that's absolutely true. But but they may feel like they castaways feel like when it. they come here because absolutely. you've just described the, you know, the, the air-conditioned bedroom, right. the bathroom, all the accoutrement that goes with it. Yeah. And then they come here, and it's, okay, Junior, you are going to go and live in the woods. Mm-hmm. And these camps are camps that they actually build themselves. Right. Now, now, when a student comes in, he's not coming in to just blank space in the woods. Right. There are existing buildings that are there mm-hmm. that previous generations right. of students have made. That he'll build for somebody else. Right. And the thing that I found most interesting when I first came here was that the buildings are built using very primitive methods. I mean, you've got logs holding the, the structures together. Primitive tools, too. Yep, but the, the, the wood is actually lashed together. There's some, I guess, notches and pegs and things that are used for Like support. Lincoln logs. But the lashing and everything about what goes in to put this together is so that the building will not last forever. Yeah. So that... This building will wear out in a few years, and right. therefore, you know, the other buildings will be a little bit newer. And so this one has to get taken apart and repurposed, and rebuilt. And maintenance in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. So these kids are learning, first of all, how to work together, something many of them have never done. Teamwork, right? Give uh, and take. How to do hard work, not impossible work, right. but hard work. It's manual labor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they're building these camps. Now, they've got counselors working with them. It's not like Lord of the Flies. 24-7, right. You know, out uh, being a law unto themselves. Right. But they do this. Uh, we should mention that the facilities in the classroom are modern. Sure. There's, on campus, yeah. right on campus here. Sure. There's air conditioning. Yes, there are bathrooms and all Computers that sort of thing. even. But when they're in the woods, it really is, as you like to say, it's partying like it's 1799. <laughs> and there's a lot to that. But t- tell me what it is that so many of these students say to you when uh, when they're about to leave the program mm-hmm. and you're asking them, what should we keep? What should we change? Yeah. There's one thing that they say you should never change. What is that? Well, there's a few things, but the one thing that always comes up is never stop making us work with our hands. The very thing that they hated when they got here, because most of these kids come in here pushing buttons and looking at screens, right? Sure. That's, That's their life. They say we've never felt so human. The thing about it is very few people are willing, whether it's parents, teachers, whomever, are willing to make the kids do what they need to do to feel human. Mm-hmm. A lot of these kids feel like an algorithm. They feel like a brand. Uh, they, li- they feel like they're living in a matrix. Uh, and the matrix becomes uh, more real to them than, the, than, than real life. Here, they're forced to deal with people face-to-face, whether it's their peers, their counselors, very often their parents, mm-hmm. you know, on their visits and, and the things that we, we go through on parent weekends and whatnot. Uh, but they're forced to... A look at body language and and uh, voice inflection and discern these things and facial expressions and and tones and whatnot. I want our, our listeners to know that we don't expect these kids to live third world when they leave here or to go without some of the amenities that we deprive them of here. Uh, we actually take the year that they're here to help them uh, better navigate some of the things that they will be almost forced to use when they go back, which is a lot of digital technology. But to use it, uh, train them to use it uh, as a tool rather than a weapon and, um, and not uh, uh, exercise 
uh, a protocol that's going to addict them to anything on, yeah. on, on digital technology. Well, and something you just touched on was the fact that we have, um, you know, students who are feeling more human, who are being affirmed by the work they've done. They've just helped build their camp. They can look at it and right. say, it's tangible. I, I helped, uh, you know, accomplish this. Mm-hmm. Whereas today's young people and adults who are so connected to social media and so connected to, you know, everything digital that's out there, their significance comes from how many likes they get, yeah. how, how many, uh, you know, friends they have, how many followers they have. Right. And that is such a fickle thing. Heaven help us all if that's where we're getting our significance. Our yeah. significance really needs to come first and foremost from God. Yeah. But there, there is a significance that we get through the work we do, it's it's a, a you know self concept, a self significance, and also there's the significance that we can get from true friends who are around us, and these yeah. kids are getting that perhaps for the first time, yeah. and that's what's important. We need to take a quick break here. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, and when we come back, I want us to talk about some of those tangible needs though that we have, and some of the things that we're considering for the coming year uh, as Licensed to Parent continues. Incidentally, if you'd like to find out more about the program hear any of our past conversations, the more normal conversations that we have, uh, please visit our website, which is licensedtoparent.org. Back with more right after this. In the training of our children, what role should public school play? Documentarian Colin Gunn takes a panoramic exploration of this issue by hopping in a school bus for a field trip all over America in the DVD Indoctrination. Colin conducts a series of candid interviews and discovers how God's recipe for training the next generation is being replaced with a humanistic, man-centered program that fragments the family and undermines the influence of the church and the Great Commission. Christian teachers and principals share how they're attempting to walk the tightrope between teaching what they do not believe and being restricted from their God-given call to be salt and light. Indoctrination, Public Schools and the Decline of Christianity in America. Available in the Licensed to Parent store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. This is it. It's our once-a-year licensed to parent radio program where we uh, 
pretty much pull back the curtains and let you know what's going on on the radio program, but also at our parent ministry, Shepherds Hill Academy, and what some of the needs are for the coming year. We are here at the end of a year, and uh, we're considering what we can do in the in the coming year to better minister to families and to better work with these kids. Uh, Trace, I know that a lot of the physical needs we have here are not program-related as much as just maintaining what we do and allowing us to continue. Uh, but we've got something that has <laughs> been in the works over the past 15 years, and that is the Department of Transportation in Georgia decided that it would be a lovely idea to run a highway right through the middle of <laughs> Shepherd's Hill Academy. Yeah, an 18-year battle. And that highway is completed. It's a lovely highway, but it did cut off a bit of the property here. But by God's grace, the property was able to be expanded. Some uh, land that was not for sale came up for sale. The prices were right. Some of it was given to us. One of six tracks came up for sale. The other, we had to knock on the doors and ask them to sell it. Uh, one guy came over voluntarily uh, and and asked if we could use more property. So it was it was a series of miracles that caused the uh, the appraiser that helped us with our lawyer against the DOT to say under oath that this could only be a divine intervention. He's in forty years. He's never seen anything like it. And we bobbed and weaved for several years. It was an 18-year fight, but several years we had to move campsites here and there and everywhere. There was a myriad different things that took place that uh, the devil shot our way to try to keep us shut down. And uh, and yet we're, we're bigger, better, stronger, and more effective than we've ever been. But one of the things about this highway coming through and the new land that's that has been purchased is that new land is largely empty except it's got trees all over it. But, I mean, uh, where where things were, they can't be anymore. We've got two classrooms that are now precariously close right. to the highway. Stones throw away from the highway. And for a wilderness program, that's bad. We're trying to get people out into the quiet, mm-hmm. and we've got them out in the middle of a four-lane. Yeah, but we went from uh, 80 acres because of the highway. We're now 200 acres that go a mile and a half contiguous, all these different tracks of land go a mile and a half contiguous off this highway. So the opportunities are absolutely endless. We've already uh, put yes. uh, two new sites over there uh, and we're moving things over there as we can afford to do it. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a, probably a several year, you know, move, but those school buildings are really important to get off that road because it's a, it's a, for what we're doing and the degree of, of help these kids need, that's not something we really want or the or the kids need. Now, you've gotten a price on what it would cost to basically relocate these, which is building from scratch, frankly. Right. Uh, at $250,000 per classroom. Per classrooms. There would be two classrooms per building, one for the boys, one for the girls. Obviously, they wouldn't be next door to one another, but uh, we they would be off into the woods. Yeah. But they'd be out of sight and sound of uh, the highway because right. we just... Uh, we want to get them free of that. But again, $250,000 a piece, that's probably a bit much for you to pull out of your pocket and send to us. Uh, however, if uh, you feel that uh, getting these classrooms moved is something that the Lord might lead you to help with, you know, what could you help with? Could you uh, possibly make a gift of $50? You know, if a lot of people do that, yeah. eventually it adds up. Could you give a gift of $100 or $1,000? Uh, any gift would be worth it. Perhaps you... Uh, have some inroads into construction and uh, can buy lumber at a discount. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, please feel free to reach out if you can. 
Uh, let's talk about something that might be a little closer to the pocketbook of some people, and that is uh, what's going on in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. Our teachers and our administrators, but some of our students as well, are needing to use computers. I know we sound like we're anti-technology. We're really not. Again, not it's all. a matter of having it controlled exactly. and used with the proper plan. But right. we've got a number of computers that are now very outdated and need to be either updated or replaced and uh, we've got a, a ballpark price on that of $8,000 to completely cover that. And that's specifically for the education department. Yes, that, yes. When I talked to Josh, who heads that, all that stuff up, uh, and asked him uh, specifically what would be one of the first things we would need to ask for, that was the first thing he said, Okay, uh, those computers. But, you know, perhaps you could uh, sponsor a computer. And, and these are just rough numbers I'm coming with off you know, my head, but say $500 might buy a computer or might update a couple of computers. Perhaps you could make a gift in that amount. We would be so grateful. But again, $8,000 is the total amount that we have budgeted for updating our computers, which will help us in the coming year and hopefully beyond. Uh, Let me mention another thing uh, due to, again, our favorite highway that is now running through here. Um, Our cafeteria is needing to be adjusted. And uh, one of the things that we are definitely needing in there is some more storage racks. Room is being used in different ways, but uh, storage racks are essential, and uh, I think we're looking at about $3,000 worth of racks. Right, right. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left, but let me uh, let me mention a couple of other needs. Uh, as you might imagine, when you've got 30-plus kids um, on your uh, front stoop, uh, getting them moved from place to place uh, requires vehicles that can handle that. And I know Shepherd's Hill has a couple of 15-passenger vans that... Mm-hmm are, uh, you know, pretty much worn completely out, and uh, a couple of minivans as well. Again, They're still in better shape than the ones with that, that they replaced, I can well, tell you that. Yes, absolutely, but uh, perhaps this is an area in which you might be able to help. Yeah. Again, we'd like to replace, uh, during the coming year, two of our larger 15-passenger vans and two minivans, and uh, those don't even have to be new. They yeah. could be new or used. We're looking for the best value. Yeah, these weren't new when we got them. Right. So um, so anything that you could do to help in that regard would be good. Perhaps you have a 15-passenger van that you're not using. <laughs> uh, please contact the ministry and let us know. We would be delighted to receive it if it's in you know sure. decent running order. That would be good. Yeah. But let me wrap up with this. Um from the financial standpoint, because you just touched on this a minute ago, Trace, and that is the fact that the amount of money that the students' families pay to send their kids here mm-hmm. doesn't go to cover any of this. No. But it's these funding appeals, these things that we do once right. a year on the air, but at other times uh, to those who are on our mailing list, we, we let needs be known. But the last one that I've got on my list here is the scholarship fund. Mm. Yeah, and that's always a need. The the cost of residential care in the years that I've been working with you has gone up and up and up every year because mm-hmm. the cost of living goes up. There are also more regulations that get put into place yeah. that that make it more challenging to run a program like this. For a student who's coming in the door for the first time today, mm-hmm. what might that bill look like for a year here? Well, I hope our listeners are sitting down. Uh, I just got a memo from the state of Georgia that it costs the state of Georgia $112,000 to keep a kid incarcerated in youth detention center for a year. Our tuition, and it, we're really wrestling before God right now about uh, raising the price of the tuition. Uh, simply, because, and We don't want to do that. It's embarrassing enough to say it. But right now, 
the tuition is $96,000 a year. Uh, that's what it takes uh, minimum to keep this thing just, you know, where ends meet. But to put it in perspective, folks, if you got a calculator, if you hired a babysitter just to babysit your child in your home, no food, no education, no discipleship, no, no therapy, no nothing, uh, in your home, eating your food, uh, just babysitting, at minimum wage, at the end of the year, you have a $64,000 investment in that child. Because this is 24-7. It's yep. 365 days out of the year. And so, you know, when you got a kid that's, uh, you know, a, a suicide threat, you know, you have to have someone there who, uh, or a group of someone who are there awake all night long. Who know what they're doing. Who know? This is a trained staff. Absolutely. This is not just, you know, somebody who walked in off the street. Yeah, in the case of our, you know, of our educational team and, and, and therapeutic team, these are masters leveled and beyond trained individuals, in, in many cases, years tenured. And uh, so they could all make two, maybe sometimes three times as much working for a, a sec, you know, a public school or a, or a private school. Uh, but their heart is in this, they see the results. Yeah. They see what takes place, not just with the child, but with the families of the children. It's incredible. They want to be part of that. And we're, we're honored to have them a part of that. But uh, money's, despite what people think, money doesn't mean everything to everybody. Right. You know, uh, job satisfaction, uh, that, that means a ton. Uh, uh, Solomon wrote about that in, in Proverbs, the man who, who was satisfied and content and blessed in his work. That's the guy who's blessed. Would I love to be able to pay our staff what they really deserve? I absolutely would. Yeah. Uh, I haven't figured out how to do that yet. <laughs> well, but but that is part of the goal because training new staff, rebuilding the trust. You know, if you bring a new person in, that person has to build trust with these students in order yeah. to make any headway whatsoever. No and so, so that has to happen too. Therefore, if we can keep the turnover rate as low as possible. And, you know, certainly yeah. there are going to be times when somebody leaves and, the, sure. you know, the reasons are legitimate. But we want to keep that to a minimum. So we want to be able to uh, pay the staff uh, an amount that would enable them to keep working here. Like you say, money isn't everything, but it sure helps. You know, yeah. all your best wishes, that doesn't put food on the table. So, right. you know, we want to pay these folks. And, um, and we do. But what I was going to mention about the scholarship fund is... Any money that you give, you can you know designate it as a, as scholarship, and it will go one hundred percent toward helping a family that needs residential care Absolutely. but can't afford it. It'll go completely to that, and it won't go to putting a new van in the parking lot or or whatever. Right. If you're raising a teen, and more than likely when you're listening to this program, it's because you've got a child, uh, you know, possibly a teenager yourself. You know what it's like. Just to raise a teenager who's not struggling, per se. I, I think by definition, teen also means struggling <laughs> in one way, shape, or form. But you know what it's like, and you know the heartbreak that goes into it. You also know the heart reward that goes into it. But sometimes things take a left turn, and parents really get to the end of their rope, and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's when their heart is hurting. They're seeing their child one foot in the grave or in jail, and they need help. So they call and they find out, I'm going to have to mortgage my house again if I want to get, you know, my child some help. And by the way, this is only one of three children. The last parent I dealt with said that very thing. I don't want people to mortgage their home. I, I mean, that, that breaks my heart. But sometimes we'll get five, ten, maybe 15 uh, checks a month 
from people like just like you and me who we're not setting the world on fire in our, in our bank account, but they they realize the need. They they're pretty assured of the result that takes yeah. place, and uh, and they help out. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Thanks so much for listening today. I know that's a lot to take in. Uh, please do go to the website, licensedparent.org, and check out some of the other conversations we've had. And while you're there, please consider supporting this ministry with your generous contribution. Anything you could give would be a tremendous help as we wrap out the year. I'm Rich Rosel for Trace Embry, and we'd like to invite you to join us again next time when once again you can renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.